0: So, so did you hear about the AT&T blackout last week? All the phones on their network went down for a few hours. Millions of Americans suddenly plunged back into the Stone Age. Suddenly we were all transported back to a time where people actually had to talk face-to-face. I mean, pretty scary, right? I mean, how are we even supposed to know what to do all day without getting a notification every five seconds? We're not built for that kind of lifestyle. Everyone was panicking. They're running around like their hair's on fire. Blood's running in the streets. It's like suddenly we lived in the purge. <laughs> I saw one guy trying to ask where he could find a payphone, but he had forgotten how to communicate without using memes and emojis. Oh, and then there were the conspiracy theories. Always plenty of conspiracy theories to answer all our questions. And, of course, the government doesn't make it any better. They tried to tell us that the whole network went down, Because of a solar flare. I mean, seriously, a solar flare. A solar flare that mysteriously only affects AT&T cell phone towers. Welcome to a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This is The Simple Truth. In a world of complicated facts, I'm Luke Taylor. This is a show where I try to wrestle with the nuances, okay? I I, I try to find that borderline between right and wrong and figure out why the border is there. And it's not just to to understand the border, uh, not just for an academic exercise. I guess sometimes it is because I like playing with those things in my head. But I like to understand, you know, why do we draw the line where we draw the line? Why is the border here? Why is it not over there? Okay. And that's what I kind of like to do. And I, I kind of work those things out here on this show. Some people call that the gray area. Uh I don't really believe in gray areas. Not usually. Like I just kind of tend to see like th- this is right or this is wrong. There's some exceptions. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not trying to be dogmatic all the time. I'm not trying to say I understand everything. But generally I try to bo- boil things down to is this right or is this. Wrong. Now, there's a lot of things out there that are morally neutral. Okay. Whether I'm going to eat egg rolls or corn dogs for supper tonight, whether I'm going to wear Crocs to Walmart, whether I'm going to make raisin cookies or chocolate chip cookies for the church potluck, you know, all those kind of questions, those are neutral. They're not right or wrong. It's just a matter of <laughs> opinion. They're not right or wrong in a moral sense. Okay. Not in an ethical way. It's like, hey, if you want raisin cookies, go for the raisin cookies. Okay. That's a morally neutral decision. I wouldn't call it a gray area. It's just something that's not right or wrong. Gray areas to me, that's where maybe you have to compromise on your ethics in some way. That's maybe when you have to do something that, you know, you believe to do the thing that you believe to be right. It means you're going to be doing something that at the same time appears to be wrong. And those are the issues I really like to to wrestle with. I don't personally always like to wrestle with them, but I like to kind of just pick those apart and sink my teeth into those kind of issues and and work those things out. And so that's one of the things I like to do on this show. And I kind of want to just walk you through some of the ways that I'm doing that with deciding who to vote for in an election. All right. So c- consider me coming at this from kind of an independent mindset. I will be first to tell you I'm as conservative as it gets. Okay. So I it's it's rare that I will vote for a Democrat. Um, most of the time I'll vote for Republicans. But I don't know a lot of times. I don't even want to vote for them. And that's where that's where I'm coming from, but I'm trying to approach this as an independent and try to look at things um, fairly, okay? I'm just trying to look at things objectively. And so that's that's where, as you've seen from the title of today's episode, um, actually, I think here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to split this big episode that I've worked on here. I'm going to split it up into three parts. So the first part is going to be why I did not vote for Trump in 2016. For part two, I'm going to do Why I did vote for Trump in 2020. And then I will do a part three talking about how I'm going into this next election here in 2024. So for me, like each of these elections represents a different ethical issue. I've got to kind of work my way through. And I'm just sharing my thoughts with you here. That's all. If that's not interesting to you to hear my thoughts on why I voted or didn't vote the way I did in the past few elections. If you're not interested in that, I mean, this is not an episode for you. The next few episodes are not for you. I'll just tell you now. You can turn it off. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, that's that's perfectly fine. I'm just kind of telling you how I'm working through this, just sharing my personal story for whoever does want to hear it. OK, so these are the I kind of like to just work my way through ethical things. That's why I love crime stories so much. I've talked about on this podcast a lot about how I love crime stories or I like stories with ethical dilemmas. OK, Um 24 was a show that was really great about that. Jack Bauer, he was the main character. He was constantly being put into these really impossible situations. You know, there'd be these scenarios where it'd be like, you know, do I save my wife or do I stop the terrorist? Do, do I go rescue my daughter, even if it means I'm going to have to let this bomb blow up? You know, and and Jack Bauer was always up against a ticking clock to, to save the day. And he always had to decide fast. And and 24 would do this thing that I just, I really appreciate it in a story. This is how you know it's a good story. When the writing and the the acting and all that, it comes together and it really makes you empathize with the characters in the story. It puts them in some kind of ethical dilemma and really kind of makes you walk through it with them. And, you know, that's what 24 would do a lot is it would get me to that point where I could empathize with either decision that the character was going to make. And, and that when when I'm there, I'm like, OK, well, whatever they choose to do, you know, I'm not even going to judge them for it because I know they're just in a tough spot. I'm, I want to see what they're going to do, but I'm like, I'm not even going to hold it against them. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a good story when it can take you on that journey Um, or to go back to crime stories. Breaking Bad, that's a that's a story about a man who finds out that he's going to die of cancer he's going to die very soon. And he has a pregnant wife and uh, he has a son with a disability. And Walter White, he has nothing to leave his family except debt. And so he just can't stand the thought of leaving this world without his family being taken care of. And so he's a high school chemistry teacher, and he realizes that he can make a good chunk of change with, with, with the time he has left. He could do that by just making some drugs. Now, that is an unequivocally evil decision, right? You know, anybody who wants to make drugs is doing something wrong. All right, but in this show, Breaking Bad, they take this action that is 100% wrong, morally wrong, legally wrong, wrong in every in every possible scenario, except they put a very relatable motivation behind it. And that's what kind of fascinates me about crime stories, you know, how can you it's it's, it's they're always about how you take a good person and you can push them to do a bad thing or what it takes to make them skirt that line between right and wrong. Or I just find it interesting just the self-justification people will go through to, to justify why they're, they're doing a wrong, evil thing. As a Christian, it's really easy for me to step back and be like, hey, you know, I would never make drugs. What Walter White did, he, he is wrong in that show. You know, even to provide for my family, I'm like, that goes against my personal code of ethics. I would never do something like that. But this is what a good story does, is it puts you in someone else's shoes. It puts you in someone else's world and you get to see a new perspective. Walter White is not a Christian. Walter White doesn't have my moral compass, okay? If I'm watching the show, I'm going to learn about his moral compass. I've never had stage four cancer. I, I can't really say what I would be capable of if I was in his shoes, but that's why I find it so interesting to watch because it, it's a well-done crime story and it, it takes me on that journey with them. Um, I have a point to all that I'm saying with all that, okay? Here's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Is it a crime to vote for Donald Trump? (laughs) It's not really. That's a little dramatic. I'm just joking there. I'm not meaning it's a legal crime. Okay, there is some silly court cases going on with him. Um, You know, some of them are even asking if he can even be on the ballot in some states. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm really wanting to talk today about is it ethical? Like for me as a Christian, as a conservative, um, is it is it right for me to vote for Donald Trump? Uh, is it is it right for me not to is it is you know what's the right thing to do in this it's a question I really struggle with I wrestle with this okay so here's my story all right and I'm not like you know like any good story I am not saying any of this to judge what you do okay I'm not calling it a sin I'm not judging you for what you decide to do with your vote all right however you want to vote i I hope you're a Christian if you are that's between you and God you don't have to justify it to me you don't have to justify it to anyone all right, but I'm kind of thinking I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say there's a lot of people even even inside the conservative movement who struggle with this decision of who to vote for in the election. And so I just want to voice where I'm at on all this. I want to explain why I struggle with it the way that I do. So like I said, this episode here I'm only I'm still in the introduction for part one, okay? That's why I'm gonna break it up into three parts. <laughs> so it's not like a an hour and a half episode, okay? I want to talk about why I did not vote for Trump in 2016, why I did vote for him in 2020, and why I'm as yet undecided for 2024. Um, but I will to, I will try to be fair. I'll try to mention a few things that Trump could do to earn my vote, but that's going to be my main topic for these next few episodes. I'm not going to make you wait a week for each one. I'll just try to get them out. Um, I'll try to have the next one in a couple days and the other one a couple days after that just to try to keep it moving along. So... Again, this is your last chance to bail out. If you don't want to hear about this stuff, if you don't care about my opinion, (laughs) you can bail out anytime. It's okay. But if this is a question that interests you, or if you want to understand how I think a lot of people are feeling in this election, um, then here we go. So let's start at 2016. I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016, the first time around. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I probably would have voted for just about any of the Republican primary challengers that year. There were a lot of good ones up on the uh, in the debates and all that. Trump was just the one guy that I could not get behind. Uh, and yet it seemed like he had the most enthusiasm that year. And uh, so, you know, he won the primary. And I was kind of shocked he could even pull that off, but he did. And then it was like between the date of the primaries and the general election, I just was wrestling for all that time of whether I should, should I just vote for Trump anyway? Just hold my nose pull the lever for him is that what i should do as i said i'm i'm a i'm a christian okay and i'm a i'm a conservative and and just tr- trump just didn't appear to represent any of my values i was just kind of in shock that whole election season why did they pick this guy in the first place why did most christians vote for this man when he doesn't in his life at all and even in his politics he doesn't represent any of our values not and i'm not saying any that's a little dramatic but for the most part, he just did not seem like a great example for us to, to kind of carry the flag for the Republican Party. Now, did I think he'd be better than Hillary Clinton? Probably. I, I thought he probably would be better than her. But like I said before, I don't really believe in gray areas. I believe in right and wrong. OK, uh, or if I'm going to call something a gray area, here's what I mean. It might might be my, It might be right or wrong for me to do this thing but I'm not going to judge you for what you feel like you need to do, okay? That's kind of how I think of a gray area, just something that it just just gets into that realm of personal conscience, okay? And so as a matter of personal conscience, I could not vote for Trump that year. But I could certainly understand many of my Christian conservative friends who did when they're looking at it and they're saying, is it Trump or is it Hillary uh, Clinton? I could understand why a lot of people would just go vote to stop Hillary Clinton. I'm not judging them for that. I get it. OK, but th- but a lot of them came to me that year and they're like, but why won't you? OK, why are you not willing to vote for Trump in 2016? So back in 2016, I created a list. It, there was about 30 reasons on this list of why I did not feel that I could sh- I could vote for Donald Trump. OK, so I've got that list here. I saved it all this time. I just it will, it was just always on my computer. I still have my list and I, I will share with you 30 reasons why, I, and I'll go through it as quick as I can. <laughs> 30 reasons why I just did not feel like I could um, vote for him in 2016 and why these things mattered to me. They might not seem like they matter much in 2024, but why they mattered to me in 2016. So here's the first one. Uh, number one on my list is that Trump said he wants to, quote, move forward on gay rights. Now, to give some context to that, from about 2004 until 2015, the gay marriage debate was like a major cultural issue. Now, 2015 kind of settled it on the marriage issue. Uh, 2015, that was when it was called like Ogre Befell versus Hodges. It was a Supreme Court case. And that's when the Supreme Court said gay marriage is legal in all 50 states. And that, that seemed to kind of settle the issue, but in 2016, I mean, that was still kind of fresh on my mind. That was only one year removed from it. And already it's like, okay, well now Republicans are picking a candidate who's pro-gay marriage. And I found that offensive. Like, I was just like insulted by that. I'm like that, you know, that offended my sensibilities. (laughs) You might say, wait a minute, we just got done. We just, we've been fighting this for like over a decade. Because I say over a decade, 2004, I think that was the first year, and I think it was Massachusetts, maybe 2003, but it was when gay marriage got legalized for the first time in one of the 50 states, and so for like a decade after that, until 2015, this was a major issue. It was part of every, I mean, society slowly changed over, I mean, slowly in over a decade, that's kind of quick, relatively, but even in the 2008 election, Obama John McCain, they were against gay marriage. And then in 2012, Obama came out in support of it. And then here we were in 2016. And now both candidates are supportive of it. I hated that. Let's be honest with you. I was disgusted by that. Still am. I honestly, I still am. I would, I would, today, I would rather vote for a candidate who is against gay marriage. But almost no one is willing to be, almost no politician is brave enough to say that in this day and age. And so I in 2016 I was extra disgusted by it. So that was reason number one, is that Trump not only said not only said that he endorsed gay marriage, but he said he wants to move forward on gay rights. What does that mean in 2016? I don't I wasn't sure. In retrospect, they did kind of push the ball forward by going into all this transgenderism crap. I don't know if that's what Trump meant. I didn't know what he meant by a lot of things. That was one of the reasons I didn't want to vote for him. So he says, I want to move forward on gay rights. And for some reason, a bunch of Christians went out and voted for him. I don't get that. I still don't agree with that, but that's who they chose that year. So going, going into that 2016 election, I was like, man, I don't, I don't feel like I can vote for someone who, and I'm sorry, I'm only on reason one out of 30. I will go quicker through the other ones. But this was a major one for me It's like, I can't go out and vote for someone who stands against the thing that I've been standing for for the past decade. You know, as long as I had been an adult, that had been a major issue. So, okay, I'll move on now. But that was a big one for me. Ka- similar, reason number two, Trump thinks transgender people should use whichever bathroom they want. I was bothered by that. <laughs> this was 2016, guys. This was, and I think you are saying this in 2015. The transgender thing was not even nearly the movement that it is today. It was starting to ramp up. But it was not what it is today. There wasn't this major push to embrace transgenderism back then like there is right now. You know, it's gotten way out of... Now it's like, you know, 70 genders, uh, unlimited numbers of genders, really, is what they say. At the Democrats, the progressives, they say, oh yeah, and you can marry whoever you want. You can identify whatever gender you want to be. You can do it as a child. And we don't even have to tell your parents about it. And all the way back then, Trump is saying... Yeah, I agree with the, the principle of transgenderism. If Caitlyn Jenner, this is the question he was asked, if Caitlyn Jenner visited Trump Tower, what bathroom would he have to use? And Trump says, well, you know, whatever bathroom he wants, she is what Trump called him. Trump would refer to Bruce Jenner as a she, say she, say she can use the women's room. So I was disgusted by that. And I refused to vote for him on that ground. Reason number three. The Republican Party, which, and this is what I wrote in 2016, the Republican Party, the only possible source of conservative political nominees in future elections, may be damaged beyond repair if Trump wins this election. And so I said this because there are numerous examples of Republicans who would throw out their conservative principles to stand with Donald Trump on his issues. Um, that, that, and that was a side note that I made back then. It disgusted me that you would take longtime conservatives, longtime Republicans who had been standing for this or that issue for years and years. But as soon as Trump comes along and Trump stands differently on that, and he takes a non conservative position, takes a liberal position, they're willing to just leave everything behind that they've always supposedly stood for just to ingratiate themselves with the MAGA crowd. All right. And I hated that. I was like, he is ruining the Republican Party. He is ruining our reputation and he is ruining. Our own values. He's changing the values of the entire party. All right. You know what, guys? I got to go treat myself to a candy bar Sunday at Brahms after this. That statement was so prescient. I wrote that in 2016 that he might damage the Republican Party beyond repair. Okay. Look at what happened. Trump did win in 2016, but we have lost virtually every election since then. We lost the 2018 midterms, we lost the 2020 election. The 2022 election, that was supposed to be a red wave. Remember how that fizzled out? It fizzled out specifically because Trump's endorsements all failed. Other than J.D. Vance in Ohio, all his endorsements bombed in 2022. So Trump has been a dead weight on the Republican Party ever since that 2016 election, where he won just the narrowest of narrow victories. It, and it has been downhill for Republicans ever since. The only election we did good on was in 2021. That's when Glenn Youngkin won Virginia. The only reason we did good that year is because Trump had just gone MIA for like all year long. He had gotten off social media. That was like the one year of a bright spot for Republicans because Trump had got kicked off Twitter. Elon Musk hadn't bought Twitter yet. I don't think True Social had launched yet. So he was just out of the public eye for a full year. And then we actually did good in the elections that November. And that was an off year election. That's the only time we've had a good showing. Reason number four. (laughs) Trump is careless with his words, and he is quick to insult. Reason number five. Whenever someone speaks against him, his immediate impulse is to attack back at them. Number six. He mocked Ted Cruz's wife's face. Number seven. He said Ted Cruz's father was part of the Kennedy assassination. And he restated that throughout the year. Even after the our, the Republican National Convention was over that summer, he was still saying it. Number eight, he also set Ted Cruz up to be attacked at the Republican National Convention because Ted Cruz gave a little speech. He said, vote your conscience. Trump knew that's what he was going to say the whole time, but he pretended he didn't know what Ted Cruz was going to say so that he could try to ruin Ted Cruz after that and act like he was stabbed in the back. And some of this is ancient history by now. I know, this is what I hate. People just say, oh, Trump, Trump does vulgar stuff. Trump says something disgusting in public. He He does a low blow. Okay? He gets down in the mud. And here's what Republicans say. Here's what Christians will say nowadays. Well, that's just Trump being Trump. Oh, he's just acting like a billionaire playboy. T- Trump was acting like Trump again. And they just excuse it. But back in 2016, I was finding it repulsive behavior. I'll admit I've gotten more used to it over time. He's been in the public scene for, you know, eight or nine, 10 years now. I mean, he was always in the public scene, but he's been like (laughs) in the news every day for like a decade. Yeah, we've all kind of gotten desensitized to it. Back in 2016, that was still a major turnoff for me. It is still a turnoff. I admit you get used to it after a while. I understand what people mean when they say it's just Trump being Trump. I get that. But I got to but back in 2016, that was a deal breaker for me. I'm like, why would I vote for someone who attacked a, a a fellow Republican's wife's face? That is such disgusting behavior. To go around saying that his dad was part of the Kennedy assassination. Disgusting behavior. Now, number 9 is that it, it was said that Trump mocked a disabled reporter. I I wrote that. Trump mocked a disabled reporter. For me, I think that was going too far, one of the reasons I didn't want to support him. Now, let me put an addendum on that one. That was actually fake news. Maybe you've heard about this before, that Trump was mocking the disabled reporter. Um, that turned out to be fake news, and I was fooled by it before the election. If you've seen video footage of Trump mocking the disabled reporter and you see what the reporter looked like, I can understand. It was totally obvious, oh, but he must be mocking that guy's disability. But if you actually look at, (laughs) this is where how the fake news just kind of like didn't tell the full story. For years, for years and years and years, Trump has used the same mannerisms to imitate somebody as like saying that they were flustered. It didn't have to do with the reporter. He had like a shriveled hand or something. It wasn't mocking that reporter specifically. It was something that Trump does like all the time. And so I admit I got fooled on that one by fake news. But this was the way that Trump would talk and kind of shake his hands. That wasn't something about just that reporter. It was something Trump has done lots of times. So anyway, you can say you still don't like it. You can say it still looks stupid. He actually didn't mock a disabled reporter. Now, that was number nine on my list of 30 things. That wouldn't have been like that wasn't the one thing that made me not vote for him. It was just one of my 30 reasons. But I'll just admit, I will admit um, <laughs> that was fake news and I got fooled by it. Okay, I'm gonna stop and get a drink, and then I will. J- I'll come back and we'll jump into reason number ten today. So number ten is a great one. You got to you got to stick around for it. I'll be right back. A solar flare that mysteriously only affects AT and T cell phone towers. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, they're gonna be trying to tell us that Bigfoot caused rush hour traffic. Oh, oh, oh and, and here's the best part. So while we're all twiddling our thumbs with nothing to twiddle them on, guess what floated over our heads? That's right, another Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, you heard me right. So China's up there in the sky, and they're like, What a coincidence, America. Your phone stopped working. How strange. Yeah, not much of a mystery to piece together, if you ask me. This isn't exactly a game of Clue. I think it was Chairman Mao in the spy balloon with the solar flare. Of course, President Biden can't be bothered to do anything about it. Yeah, he'll just let China do anything they want. Chinese spy balloon, whatever. And you know why, right? You just can't get that guy to care about inflation. Okay, I'm back. Just had to get a cup of tea and explain to my wife what a blue moon was. All right, back. Um... So, reason number 10 that I did not vote for Trump in 2016. I find this one a little funny. Number 10. And I wrote this in, let me just say, about about fall of 2016, okay? He threw a hissy fit and claimed he was cheated every time he lost a state in the primary. (laughs) That was my reason I didn't want to vote for him. I was so sick of his whining. I remember Ted Cruz won Iowa and he said it was rigged, he was cheated. He claimed it all, you know, that every time he lost a state, he lost Texas. Every time he just couldn't handle it, he always claimed it was unfair that something had got, he had got ripped off, okay? Take what you want with that information. This is a repeated pattern of Trump all the way back to it, when he would not even win the Emmy for The Apprentice, then he said it was rigged against him. This is what he always does whenever he loses. Okay, not saying anything about 2020, if it was rigged or not, not saying it was cheated, not saying there was fraud or whatever, not even going there right now. I'm just saying this is a repeated pattern that he throws a hissy fit and claims it was rigged every time he lost a state in the primaries that year. And I was like, I'm sick of that behavior. I'm not voting for you in the general. So that was one of my reasons. Number 11, he mocked Carly Fiorina's face. She was one of the Republican challengers that year, uh, or really the the year before, during those primaries and all that. Um, Made fun of her face. Again, it's just that Trump being Trump stuff that people are kind of used to now, but I I found it offensive back then. Number 12, he mocked a military family. I don't remember exactly what this was about, (laughs) so I'm sorry, I... There was something, I think, at the Democratic National Convention that there was a they had had a military family speak and maybe Trump said something about them. I honestly don't remember, though, so I don't know what I what I was talking about here. Thirteen, he has a history of marital infidelity and divorces, trading in previous wives for newer ones. Number fourteen, he has bragged in his books about the beautiful women that he has slept with, including married women. Number 15, he pretends that he reads the Bible, but he can't name a part that he likes. Now, all this stuff is just kind of looking at the immorality of Donald Trump. Number 16, he said he doesn't need God's forgiveness. All that stuff is just kind of the immoral lifestyle that he has. And listen, I can forgive someone for doing something wrong. I mean, it's not me to who has to forgive them in the first place. <laughs> anyway, it's it's God. But I can I can let stuff go. I can move past it. If they will express some kind of repentance, sorrow, contrition about it. Okay, then I can kind of, okay, you know, I've made mistakes too. I've done sinful things too. And thankfully, God's forgiven me and I can extend that to someone else. But I had a real problem with the fact that he was unrepentant about all this. He'd just brag about it openly. Number 17, he praises dictatorial leaders of other nations, such as Putin. Now, I'll make a comment on this in retrospect. I don't think that Trump's praise of dictators like Putin or Kim Jong-il. I don't think it was because Trump wanted to be a dictator as well. That's the vibe that some people got before the election, before he was president. And I i don't know. I might have got that vibe, too. I don't know. I was not comfortable with how he would praise them. In retrospect, now that he's been president and I could kind of see what he was doing, I can see the persuasive element behind it that he he made he made kind of, he kind of settled some, some tensions in the, in the, um, foreign policy nature. He kind of settled some tensions. And, and so I can, I can see the benefits that he was reaching out to them and giving them an opportunity to kind of settle down. All right, I'll talk more about that next time, I think, but that in retrospect, that one is not such a big deal to me as as it was back then. Number 18. This is about the fact that there was an open seat on the Supreme Court for this election. And he had released a list of names of people he would select if he was elected. But here's what I said on reason number 18. He released a list of names for SCOTUS appointments and then walked it back, saying he might not choose from the list. <laughs> and So that for me, I was like, well, what's the point of putting out the list? I could maybe trust you um, a little bit more that you were going to pick a good person for the Supreme Court. If you said that you would just select from the list, but he puts out this list. And then a week later, he's saying, well, I might not pick from the list after all. So to his credit, whenever he did get into office, he did pick a name from the list. It was Neil Gorsuch, and he would always put out lists of people that he was considering. He was always very transparent about this, and I appreciated that, that he did select from his own lists. But before the election, I didn't know if I could trust him. Especially when he's saying he might not pick from the list, (laughs) so that was that was a slap in the face to me. He also said he might put his sister on the Supreme Court. He had like a sister who was a judge, and this sister was as liberal as can be. Okay, so that that stuff was bothersome to me. Number nineteen, he defended Planned Parenthood. He said they do many wonderful things. Number twenty, his defense of abortion, uh, or I mean, sorry, his defense of pro life. How do I say this? His opposition to abortion that he was claiming he had, being the Republican candidate, it seemed very tenuous to me, okay? And he seems unable to articulate a pro-life position. That is, that is what I wrote back then. That's what I was getting at. I didn't trust him to be really pro-life, all right? Again, in retrospect, some of his Supreme Court appointments got Roe versus Wade overturned. I give him credit for that. Honestly, I do. I'm very—that's the best thing he did was his Supreme Court appointments. So I'm very thankful for that. That was one of the reasons I did, turned around and did vote for him in 2020. But I'll talk, I'll talk more about that next time. 21, his plan to, for, to force employers to provide maternity leave pay. Um, that, that's all I wrote back then. Okay, I seem to remember this. I don't really remember this a whole lot. I think his daughter was behind it. Um, I don't remember if that ever got through Congress or what happened. He had this idea to force employers to provide maternity leave pay. And I can't even remember whatever became of that. But it was not a conservative plan, that's for sure. It would have been bad for women, actually, uh, in the long run. 22. His statement about banning people based on religious belief, it sets a bad precedent for liberals to use it someday against Christians. I think that might have been about a Muslim ban or something like that. He might have said something about a Muslim ban and... um. Yeah, it's it, so. If you say I want to discriminate on the basis of you being a Muslim, hey, I don't want you know Muslim terrorists here either. I can understand the the inclination to do that, but the Democrats are going to use that against Christians someday. So we don't we don't want that kind of standard being set. Reason number twenty three. Exodus eighteen. That is a chapter of the Bible with some principles for selecting leaders, and I felt that it disqualified Trump. There's four qualifications that it gives. And I felt that he was disqualified on all four of these. Number one was being competent or able. And I don't think Trump had shown himself to be either. Two was honest. Three was God-fearing. As I said, Trump had told us he doesn't need God's forgiveness. And number four was above taking bribes. (laughs) One of the things Trump had said when he was talking about how he knows how D.C. works, and he bragged about how in the past he had bribed politicians because he knew how the system, (laughs) how it worked and why it was a swamp, and so, anyway, I, for those four reasons, I was like, "Well, I don't think he's qualified biblically to be a leader." <sighs> Number twenty-four: to be affiliated with a man as evil as Trump would mar my Christian witness. I'm going to have a lot to say about that over the next couple episodes, so we'll, we'll hang on to that one for now. Twenty-five: I would lose any moral authority to preach on gay. So I was pastoring back then. That's why I said this. I would lose any moral authority to preach on gay marriage or against transgenderism if I voted for someone who was in favor of those things. So there you go. I'll talk more about that next time. 26. The lesser of two evils is still choosing evil. Okay, this was an argument people were putting out like, hey, you might not like Trump. He might not have been your first choice. You might despise the guy, but it's him or Hillary You got to pick the lesser of two evils. So this was a, um, hey, this is a way that some people make decisions. I'm not going to run you down. If that's how, if that was your calculus, I'm not going to attack you for that. Okay. I get it. I certainly understand that this is one of, this is where I talk about when I'm like, what's the right, what's the wrong. Sometimes you have to do the wrong thing to get the right result. I get it. That's why, you know, we, we got to talk about these things. That's fair. All right. My stance at that time, and and still basically is, but choosing the lesser of two evils is still choosing evil. Um, The argument that I must always choose the lesser of two evils, that only works if someone, you know, if someone has a gun to your head and they're forcing you to pick between two options, then maybe you have to pick the lesser of two evils, okay? Christians still have another option. They can vote third party. They could not vote at all. So I was not forced to participate in that election. If I thought both the the possibilities of who to vote for were crap, then I have the option of voting for neither. So that lesser of two evils thing, the lesser evil for me might be not voting at all. That might be the lessest evil. <laughs> lessest is not a word, but if you get what I mean, the less evil, the lesser evil, the lessest evil might be just staying out of it entirely. That's what I did. So anyway, the lesser of two evils thing, that that argument just doesn't hold water with me, especially on something like voting. Okay, that um, I could just not vote then, all right? Because, hey, listen, render under Caesar that which is Caesar and that which is, that which is God unto God. The American political system, as great as it is, I think it's the best one in the history of the world, it is a world system. It's not God's system. Right? It's not God's. I don't think we should use it to vote for evil you know i would not say we should go vote for hillary she's a she's more wicked than trump i i agree but i don't have to I, I there's no there's no expectation to me from a christian point of view that i must participate in a world system in the first place i think christians have the option of voting for neither at all and staying out of it that's fine I mean, if if the choices are going to be Trump and Hillary or Trump and Biden, I think it's perfectly morally acceptable to just say I'm staying out of it entirely. So, you have this. I, I you have maybe this is that gray area thing. I say I'm not going to judge you for what you choose to do. I know people want to judge me for what I chose to do. I think it's a judgment free zone. I got to go with my own conscience. So, the lesser of two evils. You're telling me I have to choose an evil when i don't number 27 trump's general sexist comments about women some of which are overblown but others which are highly inappropriate like saying about megan kelly bleeding out of her wherever that was you know so trump said these kind of comments and i just found them disgusting and so that was one of the reasons i didn't want to vote for him uh number 28 mocking a disabled report i have this one on the list twice i don't know why (laughs) this is This is a list of 30 reasons, okay? I I had 31 originally. It's really only 30 because I put, for some reason, I put mocking a disabled reporter on here twice. That was an accident. Number 29. Many believe a President Trump will be forced to align himself with conservative positions because they're the ones who put him in office. However, he doesn't even do that as a candidate. So why would he do that as president? So I didn't trust him to actually behave conservatively once he got elected. I thought he was playing the Republicans, pretending to be conservative, so they would vote for him, but that he didn't plan to actually do those things once he got in office. Now, uh, it, this is one of those things, in In hindsight, I still actually do see some validity to that. Um, he was more conservative than I expected him to be. So I, credit where credit is due, He did. I thought he did a great job for three years. Once he got into office, 2020, it all kind of goes to crap. (laughs) A lot of bad stuff happened in 2020, but he did pretty good for three years. As far as governing conservatively credit where credit's due number 30 on my list. The tapes of private conversations shows what kind of person he is and his lack of character. I think when I typed that, I think I was writing about the access Hollywood tapes that got released. That was the October surprise in 2016. And the thing that, you know, everyone thought, oh, his candidacy is dead now, after those tapes got released, that was the grab women by the blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone thought that was the end of his campaign, and uh, he still pulled out the win. (laughs) So that was pretty uh, interesting that that happened, the way that it did. But after those tapes came out, that was just kind of solidified it for me. I am not putting my name out there as someone who has voted for him. You know, absolutely not. That's a problem I have this year, by the way, in my state, uh, which is Missouri. The legislature has decided to let us have a caucus this year instead of a private vote. Okay, in the past, yeah, maybe I could just go vote for whoever I wanted, and no one ever had to know it was between me and the little puncher thing that you use at the or we use pins now, I guess. And anyway, it was between me and the piece of paper in front of me who I voted for. No one had to know. Nobody would know it was private this year in Missouri. They decided to go for a caucus system where we what we're expected to do is go down to our polling place this weekend and go stand in a corner for the the candidate that you want to vote for. I'm, I'm not even going to bother with it in this primary because there's no one in the primary left who I feel has earned my vote. So I'm not even going to bother with it. I, I might vote in the general. We'll just wait and see. But I'm not even bothering with the primary because it's like it's Trump and Haley who are left. Both of them have disappointed me greatly in in this campaign season. So um, I'm not even going to bother with it. But if I did, if I was going to go, guess what? I'd have to if I was going to vote for Trump this year, I'd have to go stand in a in a public location and do it publicly, standing before the whole world of my county, anyone who came there. Honestly, with how disgusting he acts a lot of the time, I just, I don't think, I don't think I could go stand and, you know, let people know that I'm voting for Trump, especially not in this primary when there could potentially be other good candidates out there. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, When he says things like grab women by the blank, then I don't want to go put myself out there as a supporter of him, as a voter for him and have it be a public thing in a caucus setting. That's what I'm kind of getting at. In a in a private voting booth, I know it could be a little bit different story. But I you know, I got to think about those things. Um my public reputation and if I'm going to stand for Trump, you know what that means. I'll have more to say on that next time. Reason number 31, which is actually just reason 30 cuz something was on the list twice, but the last reason on my list I have been saying for years that we shouldn't compromise on gay rights and transgenderism But if we vote for someone who is in favor of both of those things to stop Hillary, we are compromising. And I've kind of covered that. That was kind of earlier on my list anyway. But there you go. 30-ish reasons of why I did not vote for Trump in 2016. So after hearing all that, maybe you're wondering why, Luke, with your so-called convictions... And conservative Christian principles. Did you turn around and vote for him in the year 2020? Well, I'll tell you all about it next time. So we'll be back in the next, in the next, uh, probably the next couple days. I'll get the next one out, and I'll go through that whole story again for anybody who wants to hear it and how I kind of work through these things and weigh my decisions and go through all that. I will, I will go through it all with you if you want to hear it come back next time and uh thanks for being here today this has been luke taylor and this has been a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast